Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want extra episodes every month? Do you want ad-free versions of the show? Then you should sign up over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, and you'll get your very own RSS feed to put into whatever your podcatcher of choice is, and you'll be first in line for all extra content. So head on over and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and we are back for another episode of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond yeah we were yelling about adobe (laughs) creative cloud before the show uh so if you're listening to this episode and you're a graphic artist of any kind and you're you're new to uh the adobe cc do not save your psd files to the cloud because they will screw it up royally this is my thing with the cloud like it's a great idea in theory but Ever since I first heard of it, I've never quite trusted it. Like I'm old school in that sense that I save stuff to, you know, thumb drives, external drives. Mm. I love AirDrop with Macs. Like it's great if you want to just want to transfer like a simple graphic, stuff like that's great. But I just I can't quite bring myself to trust a cloud. Then you telling me what happened with (laughs) you know our new logo. It's like it just reaffirms my, my what I've been saying for years about the cloud. So I made our new logo last week and I saved the PSD cl- uh, file to the cloud so I could work on, you know, computer to computer, different co- on a different computer and went back in to work on it. And at, because I saved it to the cloud, it smashed everything into one layer. I'm like, well, there goes like two hours worth of work down the drain. Thanks, Adobe. Awesome. Love you. <laughs> Shout out to Adobe yeah. for that that wonderful, <laughs> wonderful option with the cloud. But uh, I do have one thing to say. Kenobi! Okay. <laughs> I was hoping you'd start off with this. Okay. So I had no idea the trailer was going to drop today. Me neither. You, we, we got the, the Entertainment Weekly cover, which is also, I don't know if you know this, but the Entertainment Weekly cover that they released, and it has like an exclusive story about the making of the show. That is going to be the last physical print of Entertainment Weekly. It's going all digital. I didn't know that. So I've got I've got to find multiple copies yeah. of this because one, you never know. You and McGregor might come to Pensacon or a convention that I go to, and I think that'd be a great thing to sign. Yeah. But I was just scrolling through Twitter, <laughs> and I saw that it it had dropped. I almost had to leave my office and scream. Yeah, because I, I had oh, go just ahead. sat down for a break at work and popped open Twitter and it immediately right there when I opened it up, it, it was the Disney Plus and it said uh, Kenobi trailer and it just dropped like three minutes ago. And I was like, this this ain't the trailer. I was thinking maybe it was just like a still or something like they were teasing the trailer. And as soon as I clicked on it, it played for about 10 seconds and I stopped and then I immediately sent a text to you and Wally. I was like, Kenobi. Yeah. I was, I'm pretty sure I've said this before on the show, but since I've been a fan of star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi has been my favorite character, like dating back to the Alec Guinness version. 
when Disney bought Lucasfilm, this has been the project that I've been looking forward to the most. Back when it was originally going to be a movie, when they announced like Rogue One, Solo, and they were going to do all these other spinoff movies. Well, obviously, that didn't quite happen, but I think it's going to work much better as a show. And if you haven't watched it, go watch the trailer because it is the best Star Wars trailer I've seen since that original Force Awakens teaser. Dude, I've watched it like six times Same. <laughs> this afternoon. I watched it like three or four times on the phone. And of course, I, like, I get off the, the I text you guys. I went back in the Twitter, restarted it. I'm watching it. I get like right to where, you know, the hola, la, la, la. It, like I get the chills and all of a sudden my Bluetooth headphones go doot, doot, doot. I'm like, oh, you son of bitches. <laughs> Had to change out the headphones. I started it over again and I, I watched it like three times in a row. What's up, RMS Jackson? Welcome to the chat room. You and Rampage yeah, welcome, in the RMS chat Jackson. room right now. I, I can't wait for the show. Like I, The anticipation was already high enough, but after seeing the trailer, after seeing the photos... I mean, you've got Obi-Wan, you've got, you know, 10-year-old Luke who was looking like little Anakin with the his Inquisitor. giant goggles. Yeah. The, Inqu the Inquisitor, <laughs> the tease of Vader at the end, which I, I think I know how Vader is going to be introduced. I bet the Inquisitors go after Obi-Wan. He kills at least one of them. It gets back to Vader that he's alive. And yeah. he just says, he pulls a Thanos and says, I'll do it myself. Cause they're supposed to fight again. Oh yeah. Uh, Staff and Sergeant sketch. Welcome to the chat room. And it, it's going to be, it's going to be so good. I, I cannot wait. I hate that it's only six episodes, but I just, I can't get over how good that trailer was. I know it's just, I, I can't stop watching. I'm so ready for that TV show like that. I, I haven't been this excited about a star Wars movie. Or not movie, but just Star Wars in general. Like, I wasn't this hyped about The Mandalorian. I was like, I went into that apprehensively, uh, The Mandalorian. Well, we, didn't, we didn't know anything about the character or yeah. what the show was going to entail. I have not been this excited since the first trailer for The Force Awakens. Well, and this, like I said, you've got Obi-Wan, you've got Vader, you've got Inquisitors, Tatooine. It takes place in that, that sweet spot of between episodes three and four. It has all the makings of what I think is going to be the best Star Wars we've seen since Disney bought it. In my personal opinion. Oh, I, I guarantee they're not going to screw this up. They can't. No, because like, they well, they know the expectations like the yeah. expectations are astronomical for this ever since it was announced. And uh, Rampage said he loved the saber into the Disney Plus logo. I thought that was pretty uh, cool, too. Oh, that was great. And uh, if you notice in the Kenobi, uh, it says uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the eye, the very last eye in Kenobi is the Obi-Wan lightsaber. Yeah, I was like that's so cool. And just everything from, you know, them using Duel of the Fates hearing the Vader breath at the end, hearing that little tease of, I, I think the track is called like Anakin's Dark Deeds or something. It's from the prequels. Mm, yeah. Uh, I, I recognize it as soon as I heard it, but th this has this has all the makings of, as I said, the best Star Wars we've seen since Disney bought it. And he said something. What did he say at the very beginning of the trailer? Like it gave me chills because he was like, uh, we're done. The, the battle's yeah. over. We lost. We lost. And I was just yeah. like, like just chills went <laughs> down my arm. I was like, dude, this is going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be so good. 
Oh man, I, if you haven't seen it yet, just go on uh, go on Twitter or Facebook. I'm pretty sure everybody's sharing it. And that was the thing that surprised me. Not a lot of people were sharing it today, and I was like, I don't think people know this trailer dropped yet. Oh, I thought we'd get it maybe next week at the earliest. I was yeah. like, okay, they they released the cover story. They released a few photos enough to kind of whet our appetite a little bit. Maybe next week or the week after we'll get a trailer. But like, nope, we're going to drop it today. Yeah, they just dropped it out of nowhere. And uh, I, I'm I'm beyond excited. I'm so excited for this show. Yeah, expect a lot of discussion on that show once, <laughs> once it drops. We might dedicate an entire episode uh, when it comes out. So be prepared. Definitely do a season recap for yeah. sure. Uh, I, um, that might be our Patreon exclusive for uh, for whenever the last episode drops. Yeah, it's it's six episodes, so let's see, it drops late May. So that'd be so probably July. early July. Yeah, yeah, July. But uh, but yeah, then uh, that's that dropped today. So if you missed it, go go on Twitter or any social media right now. They probably have the trailer on Disney Plus if you have Disney Plus. Probably and, uh, go check it out. But uh, we got a ton of news this week. Are you ready to go into the news? Yeah, let's do it. Today's news stories were submitted to us by Mr. Jacob Craig. I am the Rampage and Mr. Armez Jackson. So if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And this first story comes from comicbook.com. Steven Spielberg's Halo TV series involvement detailed. Uh, For years and years, Steven Spielberg has been notably attached to produce the Halo adaptation that is finally set to arrive on Paramount Plus later this month. Um, at some, it seemed at some point between the years since it's first announced up until now, it might have been canned. Um, Spielberg really, truly stay, stay involved. How involved, according to a new interview, uh, he was involved in just about everything from scripts to showrunners to casting and more. Uh, they said they treated it as though it was a legacy project of Stevens. And uh, he godfathered it in terms of reading every script, helping choose showrunners, writer, director, cast, production, design, and visual effects. Every aspect of it he looked at. This is exciting because it looks great already. And to know that Steven Spielberg is behind everything, I'm like, this thing is going to be great. Because Steven Spielberg just has that magic he, touch. He's To me, he is the greatest director of all time because you look at so many iconic films that inspired so many filmmakers. He either directed it or he had some role in it. Yeah. That's why I think he's, he's the goat in my opinion. So hearing his level of involvement. And I remember, you know, hearing about that years and years ago, back when Halo was supposed to be a movie that he was going to be involved with it. Mm -hmm. It it just, it it reaffirms my confidence in it. I think we are really going to start to see a trend of, more successful and better video game adaptations. Oh yeah. The trailers look great. Everything I've seen from it looks pretty faithful to the video games. So now all really we really have to do is just wait. I mean, we're only a couple of weeks away from the first episode dropping. So plus with how good that TV shows have gotten their I mean their cinema quality at this point and you don't have we're to We're in the do, golden age of TV. Yeah, right you now. don't have to do 24 episode seasons. You could do 6, 7, 8 episodes. I think you're going to see a lot more bigger directors and producers that were strictly film 
are going to start moving into the more long form storytelling of TV shows. Well, I mean, streaming is just the way to go right now. I mean, you look at what happened with movies after COVID hit, they were either delayed or they went to streaming and it's not going away. You you look at Disney got into the streaming game. Mm -hmm. Jeff Bezos got into it with Amazon. NBC's in it streaming like it's it's here to stay. Yeah. And it's I I don't know if it will ever fully take over like theatrical releases because I think those will always be around. But streaming is only going to get bigger. Yeah. Well, not only that, but it's just you can tell better stories and in a long form like that. Like, you know, I love seeing Batman movies. Like I still haven't seen the new new Batman movie yet, but I would I just wonder why they haven't like especially like HBO Max with all the good shows that they have. I mean, I understand they want to keep Batman as like the theatrical thing, but imagine how cool like a Batman series would be. You know, like a long form Batman series. Yeah, I mean, I I think it would work fantastic. And I, I meant to bring that up at the beginning. I did see the new Batman. Very good, but I'll still reiterate what I said last week. It didn't need to be three hours long. Yeah. Well, that's why they need but to do long form storytelling. <laughs> they, they can do they a six hour series. A, you know, they are doing a series with uh, Colin Farrell's Penguin character, which uh-huh. will be really cool. But um, yeah, I think a live action Batman series would be great. But yeah. You know, it it is what it is. I mean, there will be some things that are always going to be theatrical, but I, I I like that Halo has gone to the long form storytelling because you can we don't entirely know what the story is going to be. I'm assuming it's going to be an adaptation of the original game, but I, I think we're going to see a lot more long form you know storytelling means yeah. with different properties. At least I hope so anyway. But our next story comes to us from NintendoEverything.com. The House of the Dead remake launching on April 7th. Forever Entertainment has listed the release date for the upcoming The House of the Dead remake on the Switch, which will launch April 7th, 2022. Pre-orders will be available starting March 31st. The announcement was made with an exclusive trailer, which you can watch in the article, that shows off some of the gruesome gameplay. Uh, it features include well-known arcade classic with modern graphics and controls, true to the original gameplay, local two-player multiplayer, multiple endings, photo mode achievements, armory with unlockable weapons, hordes of the undead monstrosities in a new game mode, and gallery with encountered enemies and bosses. I, I watched the trailer. It's about what you would expect from an arcade shooter like this. I mean, I, I don't think it looks bad. But it, it looks you know, about what I expected it to. I probably won't play this because it's not really my thing, but looks like it could be fun. Yeah, same here. I mean, I like the original House of the Dead. I always like to play it in the arcade. I don't know if, if it's going to would be something I want to plop down hard-earned dollars for to play it on the Switch. But, you know, you never know. I might come around to play it at one of these days for the Switch. Yeah, it might be one that if I don't have anything else to play yeah. and I can get it on sale, then yeah, that's what I, was gonna I might say. check it out. But if I can get it for like three or four bucks. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't pay like 15 for it. Yeah, no, uh, nah, it's not worth that much. 
Yeah. The movie was terrible. So, and I actually <laughs> saw that in the theater. Damn you, Uwe uh, Bowl. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and my friend Pete still won't let me live it down to this day because I made him go see that movie with me at the theater. And he's just like, I'm never going to a movie with you again, ever. <laughs> uh, but uh, this next story comes from NintendoLife.com. Bullfighter Neon switches its cyber cape on Kickstarter with Switch as a stretch goal. Bullfighting is arguably a barbaric practice in the 21st century and not something that we particularly condone here. Uh, robotic bullfighting, though? Now you're talking. Uh, it, on, on Kickstarter, indie developer Revelo has launched this new project, Bullfighter Neon, a 90s-inspired arcade experience that takes the general gist of bullfighting and adds in robots, lasers, and rad sunglasses for a futuristic spin on the, sh- on the, on the sport. Um, it will feature local co-op multiplayer for up to two players with fully customizable difficulty options, whether you're up for some truly retro-style hardships or a more relaxing experience. Now, <laughs> this looks so weird. I might actually want to play this. Yeah, the trailer looked interesting. It, it did remind me of like a 90s arcade game. But just the concept of it is so like out there and one that I would have never thought of for a video game. But I was like, you know what? After watching the trailer, I'd be kind of interested in giving it a shot like it. I might like it. I might not. But I'd give it a shot. This is so 90s. It hurts. This looks oh like my God. This looks like one of those random like Super Nintendo games that like you, know, you just kind of come across at the rental store and you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Yeah, it's one that you see in like the 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 end of the aisle as far yeah. as like games go. You're like, oh well, this this looks yeah. kind of cool. Well, nobody nobody rented this for the weekend, and I can't get you know can't uh, get Mario World yeah. or Link to the Past. So <laughs> we'll just rent this. It's between this play or some... or uh, what was uh what was that really bad robot fighting game? Uh, oh geez, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. It was really what was it? bad. What was the name of that? Chat room, help us out. Uh, uh, RMS Jackson submitted the stories in the chat room. He says, reminded me of Neo Geo baseball stars or league bowling. Yeah, yeah it does have that look to it. Yeah. But God, what was the name of that fighting game? That's going to drive me nuts. We'll be corrected on Twitter tomorrow. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> you know, Wally will correct us. <laughs> Uh, Rise of the Robots. Yeah. Thank you, Rampage. Rise of the there Robots. We go. God, that Rise game of the was... Robots. I get mad thinking about that game. It was so bad. I rented that piece of crap too. That was a wasted weekend. We should uh, we should pick a month later on in the year and review nothing but bad games, and you should do that one. Yeah. No thanks. I'm good. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, this comes to us from our favorite site, NintendoLife.com. Nintendo eShop payment suspended in Russia. Various Nintendo eShop users have recently reported that payments via the Russian Nintendo eShop are not being processed, and Nintendo has now confirmed that the Russian eShop has been put into maintenance mode due to the payment service being non-functional at present. At present, it's unclear if Nintendo itself is behind the suspension or if the effective closure of the digital store is due to a third-party payment service provider in the region ceasing to process purchases. The wording of the translated statement would suggest the latter. I mean, we're seeing this with uh, a lot of things due to the, you know, the ongoing conflict yeah. with Russia and Ukraine. So 
This is no surprise at all. Well, probably because, you know, Russia's uh, ruble has <laughs> tanked and is worth nothing. So, like, I don't think they're going to be able to, plus all the sanctions they've had with all the uh, the banking stuff, you know, like, they're not going to be able to operate anything in Russia at this point because nobody's going to be able to pay for anything. Yeah. Yeah, this was the least surprising article that I saw on the Google Doc is that, you know, you look at Netflix isn't working there right now. McDonald's has closed all their locations. There's been several others that I can't think of at you know, at this moment. But there's going to be more like more things are going to cease operations as long as this this conflict and this war is going on. Yeah. And I don't see Nintendo being the type of company that's going to come out and be like, you know, like get political and make political statements and like be like, we're not going to work with Russia anymore. I think they took this as an opportunity to be like, I, yeah, yeah, well, we, we the, the banking stuff doesn't work. So no, no e-shop yeah. stuff in Russia. Yeah. Kind, kind of being able to just like, you know, wipe their hands of it and, you know, not have to say anything. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, this is a cool story. This comes from NintendoLife.com as well. Man who just wanted to play Duck Hunt with his kids built his own light gun. This is uh, so awesome. Uh, the retro community has has long been working on getting light guns such as the Zapper, the Super Scope, and even Sony compatible products like the Namco GunCon family of peripherals working on our incompatible modern day TVs. One such fan, Andrew Sinden, is at the forefront of this effort. His Sinden light gun, which looks freaking awesome, uh, w- w- was funded via Kickstarter back in 2019, has shipped over 10,000 units. Uh, through Indiegogo, and in a recent interview with the Guardian's Lewis Packwood, Sinan talks about the drive behind making his very own gun. Uh, inspired by his love of duck hunt growing up and his desire to play uh, with his kids, he used his background as a software developer to create a code to make modern-day equivalent to the Zapper or similar. Uh, let's see. The light gun is 80, I guess that's pounds. Uh, yep, for a basic pounds. model, or you can get a, a recoil-ready version for 135 pounds. Uh, it might sound a little steep. The cost of goods and materials over the course of the pandemic has forced the price up, but you can't deny how beautiful these models are. They look exactly like something you pick up in an arcade 20 years ago. Um, he said uh, he has also worked with... Uh, he's working on a plug-in play plug-in-and-play version, but those are coming later down the line, and he has worked with the Poly Mega team to create that console's light gun, too. This looks like the gun from, uh... Oh, man. What was the name of that game? The Time... Was it Time Crisis? I think so. Yeah, it looks like the gun from Time Crisis. Reminds me of a Nerf gun a little bit, as far as, like, the end of it. I want to ask this... Are you surprised that something like this hasn't been released already? Yeah, I'm, honestly, yeah. I mean, you would think that there would be some company like maybe 8-Bit Doe, or which actually that the pronunciation of that is going to come up in a few minutes, but yeah. either 8-Bit Doe or, you know, who are some of the other companies that make peripherals like Tiger? <laughs> you know, think, uh, you know, stuff like that. Like, why haven't they made a light gun that works with modern TVs. And I don't want to discount the story because the, the gun looks great. There's a trailer uh, in the article where you can actually see it in action. And it looks fantastic. Yeah. But I just, I, as I was watching it, I was thinking, I'm surprised that we're just now seeing something like this because of how popular Duck Hunt was. Why has there not been a 
modern version of that. Mm-hmm. But it looks really cool, though. I this is actually a, a really really cool story. One of the coolest stories that we've talked about in a while. Yeah, and you could use stuff like this, you know, with House of the Dead. Like this would be the perfect peripheral to have to play that with that game with. Yeah, for sure. Like I, it, it makes me want one. Yeah, no, me too. But I don't know if I could plop down 135 bucks for one. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. I mean, if they could get true. these things mass produced and you could pick up one for I don't know, 30 bucks, like, oh yeah, that's a definite purchase. Yeah, I'd I'd pay 40 to 50 would probably be my limit. Yeah. I, but anything like that or below, yeah. I mean, if anything, I'd want it just because I think it'd be a cool like it'd just be a cool accessory to have. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to have one. Let's see. Our next story comes to us from comicbook.com. Cult classic Nintendo 64 game getting re-released on Steam. Uh, see, within the past few months, a number of popular N64 titles have been making a re-emergence, primarily thanks to the new N64 library tied to Nintendo Switch Online. And while the Switch Online service is only going to keep adding new N64 games over time, one classic will now be coming to PC within the next month. For one reason or another, Hasbro Interactive's iconic platformer Glover was today confirmed to be releasing on PC via Steam next month. Specifically, the new version of the title, which is developed by Pico Interactive, will be released on April 20th, and it will look to improve the visuals that were seen in the original title. For those that may not be familiar with Glover, the game first launched on N64 and PC back in 98, before it later came to PlayStation in 1999. As a whole, Glover was never all that well-received by fans or critics, but it stood out as one of the more unique games of the N64 era thanks to its novel playstyle. Do you remember this game at all? Yep, I actually played this game. Really? Back back on the N64. I, I actually agree with that last statement. It's not it's not a very great game in my it's not even a good game. <laughs> why but are they re-releasing it? <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know why companies do anything. But um you know what? Looks, I'm gonna re- it looks like I'm you're gonna playing re- the hamburger helper game no it it really is so the the story is you play as this um this magic glove and you have to fight your evil twin at the end of the game because like you're you're basically like a glove of a magician a pair exactly (laughs) and and one of them turns evil i can't remember exactly why because it's been so long since i played it but i was gonna say you know what i will actually go back because i've been kind of curious to go back and play this game anyway i will play it and i will review it next month okay sounds good go for it yeah so it'll be uh it'll be interesting like i remember it wasn't that great but it did have like a unique feel and kind of an intriguing story so i'll be curious to see how it holds up but yeah we'll we'll put that on the calendar for next month i don't know if i'll be able to review it that soon in april because I'm getting married a few days yeah. before, but um, may, maybe end of April is when I'll do it. But at some point in April, I will review Clover. I literally have no recollection of this game at all. So this it's, is completely so let, new let to me. Let me tell you, let me tell you about Glover. It's a game that almost every time I go into like video game trading post or a retro gaming store in town, I'll see it on the shelf and I'll just kind of <laughs> chuckle to myself. Like, oh, I remember that game. Yeah. 
Well, that's so, cool. You'll yeah, review it. So we'll see if it holds up or if it's even worse than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, for this next story, this was sent by I Am The Rampage. And he wrote with this, he said, I've been meaning to comment on what I believe the pronunciation of 8-Bit Doe is. Since the theme of the company is retro, the 8-Bit is referenced to classic games. And I believe the Doe in the name is pr- pronounced like Doe, D-O-E, as in a martial arts school. I think the name is a play on words being old school. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how it makes sense in my head. Anyway, I am the Rampage. And I was thinking also, too, that 8-Bit Doe um, refers to Nintendo. Like, they just yep. completely took out the first part of the name and just last left the last part. It rolls off the tongue easier than saying 8-Bit Do. That just doesn't sound right to me. Yeah, they, they cut out the Nintendo yeah. and left the Doe. <laughs> And I've heard it pronounced different ways by different, you know, people, podcasters, YouTubers. Nobody knows how to freaking pronounce it. So I think it's just 8-Bit Doe. Yeah. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Have we been pronouncing it in a different way? Uh, Sometimes I say it's Doe. Sometimes I say do. Just, I want to say it both ways so nobody tells me I'm saying it wrong. (laughs) I agree. 8-Bit Doe does sound better. Yeah. But the story is from TheVerge.com. 8-Bit Doe announces its first Xbox-style controller. 8-Bit Doe has announced its first controller with the Xbox-style layout. There's already an Xbox-specific version of 8-Bit Doe's excellent Pro 2 controller, but that has the symmetrical stick layout more commonly associated with PlayStation consoles. The ultimate wired controller for Xbox, on the other hand, is more in line with Microsoft's official options. Uh, it has the specific buttons you would expect, as well as Pro Controller-style back paddle buttons that can be customized through software on Xbox, Windows, Android, and iOS. There are black and white models available. And I, I I will go ahead and say that Xbox has pretty much, as much as I love my PlayStation 4, you know, I played PlayStation 2 back in the day, Xbox just perfected uh, the, the controller. Like those Xbox 360 controllers, I haven't played on Xbox One or the new Xbox, but man, they always just seem to fit most comfortable especially the placement of the analog sticks they're you know they're offset it just fits your hand better xbox 360 specifically is when they really they really got that formula down of a good controller like xbox the 360 version specifically is like top three controller for me yeah my thing with the playstation is that i've never been a fan of like the circle and the triangle and the square like they always confuse (laughs) me like oh hit the square button i can never remember where the square button is i've been playing playstation since 1996 i have i've been playing my playstation 4 for you know six years now i still don't know where those freaking buttons are like when there's a a quick time event and it's like press square like i gotta look at the controller to figure out which one it is because i still haven't memorized it by now i have to hold my controller like <laughs> like almost like flat and just like boom 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 boom, boom. yeah and I, and I always feel like playstation controllers are a little more flimsy I don't know why. They just feel flimsy to me. Like, I'm going to break it at some point. But when, when you're holding an Xbox controller, you're like, man, this, this, is, this is a good quality controller. Yeah. And unless it's like, okay, press the A button. Okay, I know where that is, so I hit it. Yeah. I still love the nope. Duke controller, the original Xbox controller, the Duke. What me and Wally were lovingly referred to as the canned ham. Because it felt like you were holding a canned ham in your hands like I, I still love that controller even everybody else hated it 
as someone with small hands, I did not care for it. <laughs> but that's why I love my uh, my Switch Pro controller so much because it's set up exactly like an Xbox 360 controller. Yeah, that would be another good top five top five controllers. Yeah, well, we should do that. That's a good one. Yeah, keep that in the on the back burner. Yeah. But uh, I think we no. I don't know if we we're, we don't have time to do <laughs> this month yeah, of video game history. We'll, so we'll save that for next week. Yeah, we'll save those for next week. Plus, after the review, we've got a uh, an email uh, from a listener yep. to get to. So uh, before we go into the review, Derek has shout outs. Yes, as always, we like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. This week, we want to shout out Tyler Watson, Axeblade 07, Daniel Salmon, Armez Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. Rampage, Rampage. Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, Ron Johnson, Mixmaster, Mike Eveland, Jennifer Eveland, and Mr. Brandon Rutledge. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions to our Patreon, keeping the lights on here at the Nerd Cave Retro Show. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you get early access to our fun commentary tracks, like the one we did uh, last month, which was all 90s, featuring Gargoyles and uh, Batman the Animated Series, which was actually one of my personal favorite commentary tracks that we've ever done. Me too. so definitely go check that out. We definitely got to do another 90s one oh, at yeah. some point. Maybe like a full 80s one. Like the, I, I like the decades ones just Dude, because that, they, they that, spark so many memories. That commentary we did sent me down such a path of nostalgia for like the next week. Like the entire week, all I wanted to do was just wallow in 90s stuff. Like I started you watching went- X-Files again. Like it was It was bad. Yeah, I want to go back and watch like some of the 90s cartoons like Spider-Man, mm-hmm. X-Men, do like a full rewatch of those like I did with Gargoyles because it was it's just fun to go back and, and do stuff like that. Oh, so yeah. if you want access to commentary tracks uh, every now and then we post polls on asking you, the Patreon subscribers, what you'd like us to review. Uh, we do that as well. So if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And tonight, and of we... course, oh, real quick, new patrons, be sure to send us your social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, so we can give you a proper shout out. Oh, and uh, before we do, once again, I want to remind all the patrons, uh, if you got declined uh, last month, make sure you go check Patreon and make sure that your payment stuff is uh up to date because patreon is doing their stupid crap again so sorry you got to keep doing that but it's uh it's patreon so gotta go check that stuff every once in a while hey guys we gotta tell you about b-res coffee company made by gamers for gamers right here on the gulf coast in pensacola florida no matter what your taste in coffee are they got you covered you like light or medium roast try the necro medium holy grail light or stamina boost they can even add flavors to your coffee, like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. If you like darker roasts like I do, then try the Critical Dark or Slayer Mocha Roast, or the Gamers on the Edge Esports Roast. They even have holiday-inspired roasts like Fall Spice, Sweet Tooth, or the Muffin Man. Do you know the Muffin Man? <laughs> Can't decide what you want for those all-night gaming sessions? Then try one of their specialty sample packs. All roasts are made with fair trade Colombian beans. So stop buying all that crappy coffee from the grocery store and head over to brezcoffeecode.com and use our code NCR for 10% off of your order. But tonight we are talking about 
Chippendale, Rescue Ranger, Chippendale, where there's danger. Oh, such nostalgia. Oh my gosh, tonight we're talking about Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Like, did were you into this show when you were a kid? Oh yeah, like I, I loved all the Disney shows, like Darkwing Duck, Chippendale, uh, Tailspin, all of them. That, that Disney afternoon collection was great. Yeah, DuckTales was my absolute favorite. Um, Chippendales was second favorite. Um, I think Darkwing Duck was probably my third favorite. And then coming up uh, last was Tailspin. Now, not to say I didn't like Tailspin, but it was probably my least favorite of those those four. If you swapped Darkwing and Chippendale, then that, that would be my list. Yeah. But DuckTales was number one. Yeah, I think they they probably could switch around, but I did love Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I loved that show so much when I was a kid. Um, and to be honest, I never played this game before until I reviewed it for for this show. And it's weird because I you know I played Ducktales back in the day. I had a copy of Ducktales, and it was one of my favorite Nintendo games. But for some reason, I never played Chippendale. I never played Darkwing Duck. Like it just felt like. I was in that weird tween age, you know, when these shows were popular and when they were being put out. So I felt like I was getting older and you know, this came out in what year did this come out? This came out in uh, the North American June 9, 1990. I was 13 years old by that point, by the time this was released on NES. So I was probably like, oh, that's kid stuff. I'm not playing, not playing no kid stuff. NES. I'm, I'm going to play some adult games probably at that point so that's probably why i didn't play this back then yeah i mean everybody goes through that phase yeah i was a stupid kid <laughs> chippendale rescue rangers is a platform game developed and published by capcom based on the animated series of the same name uh it was originally released in japan and north america in 1990 came to europe the next year and was ported to the nintendo play choice 10 arcade system it sold approximately 1.2 million copies worldwide, and it was included in the Disney Afternoon Collection compilation for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One that was released in 2017. Uh, this is, like I said, it's a platform game uh, along the lines of pretty much all the other Disney games that Capcom produced, like DuckTales, um, Mickey Mouse Capade, those type of games. Uh, it can, It's actually a single-player or it can be played in two-player cooperative. So, of course, you got Chip and Dale. Um, you're, you can choose. It's weird because it's got like it's not open world, but you go through your first level, and then you it's semi open world where you kind of have an overhead map view, and you've got you know their little uh, airship that they floated around in. You could kind of go wherever you wanted to, like whichever level you wanted to go to next. But you had to go through the levels to get through. I think there's like uh, maybe like 10 levels throughout the game. But you had your choice of which level you would do it each time. So really the the difficulty of the game is not really in the boss fights. I find the boss fights to be relatively easy. Um, when you are... Uh, when you go into the boss fights in this game, it's really like you pick up like a little rubber ball. And you throw either up or, you know, straight up or, you know, w depending on what kind of boss it was, you got some bosses that kind of fly around the top of the screen. You got some that, you know, have different 
uh, phases of things that they do. But for the most part, all you're really doing is throwing a rubber ball at whatever the boss is, and you have to hit them like five times. And they're not really that difficult. The difficulty in the game is the, actually the levels themselves. Like, there's a lot of platforming in this game, and with that comes NES-era platforming uh, obstructions, <laughs> I should say, between the different enemies that you fight. And there's a ton of different enemies in this game. If you play, if you watch the cartoon, pretty much everything in the cartoon is in this game from the bad guys and, you know, the henchmen that you have to go through on each level. And of course it's a Capcom game. So the music's awesome. The, the graphics were pretty much the best you could get on the Nintendo. Cause Capcom was always a seal of quality for the Nintendo. They put out probably some of the best, other than Nintendo, they probably put out some of the best-looking games for the NES. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. Oh, 100%. If you saw the name Capcom, you knew you were getting you were getting quality work yeah. from them. Because I, I always took Capcom as a company that took pride in putting out a good quality game. Yeah, and, and they had some stinkers here and there, but... Well, every company does. I would say probably maybe one out of every five Capcom games was, you know, a dud. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Because, of course, I mean, you know, they did the Mega Man series. They did all the Disney stuff. Uh, they, you know, they had Strider. They had uh, Bionic Commando. All those are good games. I mean, some of the Disney ones aren't that great. Mickey Mouse Capade's not that great of a game. Tailspin is questionable, <laughs> depending on if you like that type of game where it's a it's it's a it's more of a side scrolling shooter, like you know, a la like you know, Gradius games like that, like shoot 'em ups. Um, but it's just I don't know. There wasn't a whole lot to it, so it's it didn't really hold my attention when I played it, but this game, like it's a great platformer and I don't know why this game isn't held in such high regard as DuckTales is. I mean, don't get me wrong. DuckTales is like way up there on the scale of like being an absolute perfect Nintendo game. This is not far beneath it. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. You know, the, the levels are hard, but as far as the structure of the game, I mean, the controls are tight. As tight as you can possibly get for a Nintendo game. Um, it's really just a lot of memorization is all it is. I haven't had a chance to play it, but I, I did watch some gameplay on YouTube. And I, I got a little bit of Mario Brothers 2 vibe with having mm -hmm. to pick up different objects yeah. and you know throwing them and actually using them as platforms to get to higher platforms so yeah. you can progress farther in the game. The thing that, and I know that you know, technology was limited back then, but I, I would assume because you can choose as either Chip or Dale. I'm assuming that they both do the exact same thing. Yeah, there's really no difference in either that, one. That would have been something that you know, if that, if that game were made now, like Chip would have his own abilities, Dale would have his that yeah. were exclusive. But given the way NES games were back then, I'm like you look at. Mario Brothers 2, there's subtle differences between all the characters, but yeah. attacks are essentially the same. But who who did you play as, Chip or Dale? Uh, Chip. Uh, and th that's the thing I was actually going to bring up, and I'm glad you said that, because I don't know why they haven't done a 
complete remaster like they did with DuckTales of this game, but add in those aspects where you could play as not only Chip or Dale, but you can play as the other, you know, uh, uh, Monterey, Jack. Monterey Jack or uh, Gadget. Or what was that? was that her name? Gadget? I- yep. Yeah. And um, the little fly guy that zipper <laughs> yeah zipper like you could play as all those different characters and go through these levels because the way the level design is in this game is like of course you're you know you're a chipmunk you're tiny so you're going through these levels and everything is huge you know like you're you go through and like you go through a kitchen and like you're you have to jump on the the handles like there's water running and you can't get past so you got to jump on the you know the the, the handle of the sink to and and like jump on it to get it to turn to turn the water off so you can get past you know the sink and go on to the you know other places and like apples are huge like you can throw apples in the game but they're you know like the size you are you know they're huge and that's the like you're running through levels and there's books that you're you know the entire level is made up of like a bookshelf and it's it's really cool and fun like you said you you have different objects that you can pick up and throw at the enemies. But a lot of surviving the game is just being able to uh, dodge the enemies and like jump over them and get past them instead of trying to just fight them directly. And I learned that pretty early on that it's better to just really avoid the enemies than to try to fight them uh, in a, a, you know, in a straight fight. I mean, there's sometimes you're going to have to pick up something to throw at something to get through, you know, like up through a certain part. But for the most part, I try to just avoid the enemies at all costs. Well, with platformers like that, you have to develop a certain strategy because with it also being a side scroller, you don't know quite what's going to be ahead of you. if you're playing it for the first time, so you develop that strategy and then think, okay, do I want to pick a fight with this enemy or do I want to just move on? Yeah. And then like you get toward <clears throat> later in the game, you're going through the levels and you've got like <clears throat> the henchmen for fat cat, you know, the weasels. And like you said, you're a side scroller, you know, with a scrolling screen, but you know, you, like you get to like as the screen rolls and like here comes like right off the edge of the screen is a, a weasel and like he's you know shooting at you <laughs> and it's like you got to be really fast to like avoid getting hit so it like i said it's a lot of memorization sometimes blind luck uh, and if you know the memorization you can pick up uh things and throw at them as you, and when you get, you know they're getting near and you can throw it throw it at them and hit them before they even appear on screen so it's a lot of memorization to to get through it yeah it looks like a game that i would have a lot of fun with because you know i'm a big platformer fan and i, I did really like darkwing duck but chip and dale seems more like a game that i would have played yeah whereas you know i mentioned last week darkwing duck reminded me a little bit more of mega man than a traditional platformer this looks like like mario brothers 2 or like a an old school mario game so i would probably like this more than darkwing duck actually it looks like a lot of fun and they did do a sequel to this game in 93 you know rescue rangers 2 and it was on the nes i don't know why they didn't put a port of this onto the super nintendo it seems like it would have been perfect for that uh you know that graphical style that the super nintendo had 
Yeah, there's a, lo- a long list of games that I could think. Why didn't they just put that on the Super Nintendo? Yeah. Like, oh, I would, this would have been great on the Super Nintendo. Because like I said, it's Capcom got so much out of that graph, that GPU on the, the NES. Like, they just made games that were gorgeous uh, that I didn't really see many other you know, games being able to do, like... You may not be a fan of games like Strider or Bionic Commando, but you can't deny that, especially the Mega Man games, like, you just want to lick the screen. Those games are so, so beautiful. Yeah, and it says here that uh, Nintendo Power ranked Rescue Rangers 79th in their 97 list of the top 100 greatest games released for the Nintendo system, saying Mm. Capcom lived up to its reputation for superior play control and graphics yeah so it it really goes back to what we were saying earlier about capcom like you knew you were getting a certain level of quality yeah so i i don't know why but i just never really heard much about this game granted i was only i was i would have been about to turn four when this game came out so my knowledge of gaming was still a little limited yeah but I'm surprised that I didn't hear more about this. And that's I heard thing. of DuckTales. You know, DuckTales was just a force to be reckoned with. DuckTales was, you know, that was the thing Disney threw all their money at at the time. You know, there was a DuckTales movie. There was the video game. There was the TV show. It was just, it was marketing around it. There was merchandise. And I kind of feel like Chippendale Rescue Rangers was just as good as DuckTales, but it kind of got the shaft a little bit. Well, when you have one singular property that's commanding all the attention and having all the money put into it, a lot's going to be left by the wayside. Because I would even say that about Darkwing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I said it last week, like these games really do deserve that same treatment that DuckTales got, that remaster that they did uh, for the Xbox 360. Like, th- th- this game is good. It's one of the better games you can get for the Nintendo and nobody talks about it. And that's a shame. Like, nobody talks about these games except for DuckTales. Yeah, it's... Who knows? Maybe one day they will get the the recognition that they deserve. Maybe with the movie coming out, the Chippendale movie coming out, maybe they'll... Like, maybe Capcom will dip dip back into the well and be like, hey, let's do a remaster of this game because it's, it's, it's a good game. That would be fun, actually. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, Uh, I didn't even read the plot for this game. The plot is the Rescue Rangers are going on a mission to retrieve a missing kitten for a girl named Mandy. As Gadget goes on ahead to scout the area and Monterey Jack is sent to investigate sightings of strange mechanical dogs with zipper, Chip and Dale proceed through the streets and into a laboratory where they are attacked by a crazed robot. After defeating the robot, Fat Cat appears and reveals what Mandy's kitten was just a distraction so he could kidnap Gadget and force her to work for him. Uh, fortunately, she's able to contact Chippendale by building a wireless phone and sending a map to them via carrier pigeon, allowing them to navigate through the treacherous landscape and reach Fat Cat's casino where she is being held. Uh, and after they rescue her, uh, Gadget provides the chipmunks with a rocket that sends them towards Fat Cat hideout so they can defeat him. Um... Pretty that probably blew people's minds <laughs> yeah. like wireless phone. <laughs> yeah, pretty in-depth plot for a you know a, a Disney NES game. Yeah, I dig it though. But yeah, I, it, I like I like when they go into that amount of detail. 
But it's so cool. Like just going through this game and the the graphics and the music and it just sent me right back to being, you know, 12, 11, 12 years old watching that show. I can still remember, you know, what my room looked like, what my what kind of TV I had, uh, the Nintendo playing these type of games, watching those shows. I wish I would have played this back then, but like I said, I was kind of out of the age range by the time it came out. But Man, going back and playing this the last couple of weeks, I, I played it quite a few times. Um, I really missed out. This was this is such a good game for the Nintendo, especially if you're like a Mega Man fan or anything Capcom. If you're a Capcom fan, this is one of those games that uh, I think is really important for the Nintendo because as far as a platformer goes, you it's pretty solid i mean you could do way worse than this game as far as platformers go but even though you said you missed out that's the great thing about the show is we can go back and play the games that we missed out exactly. on exactly that's the whole point of this show yep <laughs> but uh but yeah i haven't played the uh sequel i'd have to find a uh rom for it um because i don't i think part two is like kind of like ducktales 2 where it's very uh sought after by collectors and it's not cheap by by t- by the you know by the by any stretch of the imagination it's like these games especially like DuckTales 2 and Rescue Rangers 2 they're going for quite a bit these days I want to say DuckTales 2 is on that Disney Afternoon collection uh, I think it is um I'm pretty sure they put all these games in that Disney Afternoon collection I have to double check. I don't know if Rescue Rangers 2 is on it, but I'm pretty confident DuckTales 2 is. Let's see. The development, um, it was produced by Takuro Fujiwara, who had previously worked on titles such as Mega Man 2 and Ghosts and Goblins. And, yeah, you can pretty much tell like those two influences are in this game, much more so than uh, like DuckTales or uh, things like that. This is very reminiscent oh. of... like. Uh, it plays like Mega Man, but it's kind of got a Ghosts and Goblins vibe where you don't have very many hit points. Like you only get like two or three hit points and you're you're done. So I have to correct myself. Rescue Rangers 2 is on the Disney Afternoon Collection. I might have to go ahead and it pick is, that up then. It, it, it's worth it. You get six games for, I don't know if it's still on sale, but you know yeah. I got it for like $5. But it's got DuckTales, Rescue Rangers 1 and 2, DuckTales 2, Tailspin, and Darkwing Duck. So yeah. it's worth it. But uh, throughout this game, there are different little parts that you go through that like to get to the next level. Um, you got to open up this, you know, like a little box or whatever, and there'll be a piece of cheese in there. And then Monterey Jack will come running through the screen and then crash through the wall. <laughs> like, that's awesome. I think it would be cool if you could, if they did a remake of this game and you could actually play those other characters like Monterey Jack, you know, like eat through the wall or like, you know, like each character kind of has their own set of skills would be great. You could even do something where after you beat the game, you can unlock gadget after yeah. you rescue her, and then you can go back and play through it as her. That'd be great. Like uh, I, this game screams for a remake, and I wish Capcom and Disney would would do a remake of this game. I think it, I think it deserves it. I don't think it got the uh, the the clout that it deserved, and it deserved to be you know it der- it deserves to be up there with DuckTales. I mean, it's not quite as perfect as DuckTales is, but it deserves to be up there with it. 
you sold me on it. I haven't played it, but from what you've told me and from the gameplay I've watched, I would agree. And uh, as far as, as a, on a number scale, one to ten, it gets a solid, solid eight. That I like that. I think that's a perfect number. And uh, what's your uh, what's your review for next week? Next week, I will be reviewing Toy Story for the oh, Super Nintendo. Okay. Awesome. Game I've wanted to actually talk about for a while, so Disney Month gave us a perfect opportunity for me to do it. And uh, Tyler Watson gave us a, a topic the other day for a Disney game. Which one was it? It was like Mickey's Raceway or some yeah, type of racing right. game. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. but, uh, but yeah, Because we'll, we'll I think we've one. got... Let me pull up the calendar real quick. Because we've got five Wednesdays in March. Yeah, you get three of them. So you might get to do do that game. Yeah, I, I think that's how we lined it up, is that that would be my review for the end of the month. Yeah, that's my review for Chippendale Rescue Rangers. If you've never played it, go play it. It's great. Go pick up that Disney Afternoon Collection. Or if you have an NES, go get a copy of it. Or <clears throat> yeah, you know, there are other nefarious ways <coughs> of getting a ROM Intense. of the game. <laughs> but, uh, but it's well worth it. I loved it. It's a great game. I'll have to go check it out. But uh, I think that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. So what uh, what you got going on in, in Derek Diamond's world? Uh, not too much. Just been kind of enjoying the, the little hiatus from, uh, from doing the feature presentation podcast. If you want to go back and still check out the previous episodes, they're still online. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can follow the show on social media at Feature Press Pod. All the interviews I've done are on YouTube, all the reviews. If you want to go check those out, um, it'll probably be sometime next month whenever I decide when I'm going to bring the show back. But until then, I'll be be doing this show and every also, week. So we want to warn everybody too next month, we might be one episode short on the month because Derek is getting married next month. And we don't yep. know which Wednesday we're gonna have to take take off. Yeah, it, it'll either be the one before or the one after. I'm not entirely sure yet. So I, I figure that out. And if I can, I might get a, a special uh, fill in guest if if I uh, if I can yep. and uh, put an episode in. But yeah. if if I can't, then we'll be one episode short for the month, and we apologize. Just so you guys have that in your head, and no, we won't be pot. No, we're not pod fading. We just have one week where we won't have a show. Yeah, I mean, stuff pops up every now and then. But uh, I think that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. And uh, go check out, for me, go check out the Open Micros podcast at Open Micros on Twitter and Instagram. Got a uh, bunch of new guests coming up over the next, we're booked up on guests for the next three months. So go check us out over there at the Open Micros Podcast. And like Derek said, go check out the Feature Presentation Podcast. It is on hiatus, but if you haven't listened yet, go check it out at Feature Press Pod on Instagram. And that's going to do it for this week. Let me play our music here. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at Nerdkit. Oh, wait. Nope, nope, nope. Not yet. I have a, I have an email I need to read. I completely forgot. So here we go. <clears throat> Sorry about that, everybody. Let me reset this music before I do anything else. Okay, <clears throat> here we go. Hey, guys. I have been listening for some time now, and actually I've went back and listened to all the past episodes. I really enjoy listening to you You guys talk about basically my childhood, being a, a kid in the 80s and a teenager in the 90s. 
But anyway, I've recently dug out my Super Nintendo and started buying some games for it. I've recently purchased Super Mario All-Stars and went to test it and all the games played like they should except for Super Mario 3. I have attached a video uh, of what happens basically. Uh, the game starts up and it shows the title screen, but when you select to start the game, it just goes to a blank screen. I returned the game and got another one, and it has done the exact same thing. Just wanted to get your opinion on this and haven't been able to find anything out for himself. Thank you guys for what you do. Keep up the good work. Your friend, Denny South. Um, I couldn't get the, the video wouldn't download, so I couldn't really see what you were talking about, but I've never heard of a problem like this. This might be a uh, problem with your Super Nintendo. Yeah, I know a lot of them can be a little spotty. Mine is with certain games, so... If I had to guess, it's probably a console issue. Yeah, because I have a, I have the same copy of that game too, and mine, I've never had a problem trying to play Super Mario Three. Yeah, same. Might be something to do. Might, I'm sure there are people that you know work on Super Nintendos. Might want to take it to your local retro game store and see if they have anybody that works on them. Just see if there's like I don't know something might be rusty on the you know the contacts or you know go go have them check it out and um you know that's that would be my advice because i've i've never heard of that that problem before yeah i haven't either but i, I think that'd be the best option but do appreciate the email and the yeah. kind words uh, send us your emails if you got anything to say or if you got questions or comments send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com we're at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro instagram and twitter at nerdcaveretro and then of course individually at jfunktastic and at derek underscore diamond go buy some merch we got t-shirts we got hats we got bags we got everything stickers over at ncrmerch.com and of course Patreon, patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro, for as little as a dollar a month, gets you all the extra episodes we do, gets, uh, you know, you get to participate in everything, you get a, 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 all kind of cool stuff when you're over at Patreon. If you can't do that, I understand, times are tough. Leave us a review wherever, fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please, tell them what it's all about. Ch-ch-ch-chip and Dale, rescue, rescue rangers, ch-ch-chip and Dale, where does danger... I love the power glove. It's so bad. You blew it!